It is our spring finale of the Spin and Sports podcast. Welcome, everybody. That's Landon Bethay. My name is Grayson Singleton. And thanks so much for listening on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you might be finding our show. Coming up on our last show of the school year, we're going to talk about some of the OSU players and how they fit into the teams that they got drafted by or signed with after the draft, as well as some predictions for the rest of the NBA season, because we won't be around to talk about it. So, well, I mean, it's it's been, been quite a year. It's been... This it has been. It's been interesting, to say the very least. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to do this last show with you. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we'll keep this up in the future. I think we can. I think we can. So first of all, so let's put a bow on the NFL offseason and free agency and the draft are now complete. Um, we'll get to the OSU players in just a little bit. But Landon, r- r- before we get to that, excuse me if I can talk. What team do you think was the most improved team over the offseason, free agency, and the draft combined? You know, I I want to, I don't want to be biased by this take, but my first pick right now is the New England Patriots. I think overall in the draft, they I think they stole Ronnie Perkins. I think they stole Christian Barmore. And I think Stevenson, the running back out of OU, is LeGarrette Blunt Jr. And I think he could be a very... Very solid piece to our backfield because we have Damian Harris and we have James White and then Sony Michelle's kind of like a date a, a smaller vert. Sony Michelle, I wish he did better. He was kind of a bust. He didn't mm-hmm. pan out. He's still got a career though. He could still make a little career for himself there and either New England or somewhere else. But I think Stevenson's a great addition. And then in the seventh round, we got Trey Nixon, who I'm pretty excited about. I think that was a a good last piece to add. And then also with the two tight ends that we added in the offseason with Jonas Smith, Hunter Henry, I overall think the Patriots had a very good offseason, not to mention the additions at receiver. I think they had a great offseason. I think they improved vastly before this next season. The next team that comes to mind, which is kind of a less biased take, mm-hmm. I think the Arizona Cardinals had a very, very good draft and a very good offseason. I think obviously addition of J.J. Watt's going to be vital to that defense. Right. He's going to, he's going to that Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt on the same defense at the same time is going to be a sight to watch. Then you have additions like Malcolm Butler, who is okay. Malcolm Butler's decent. He's going to do his job. And then in the, I think Rondell Moore and Zayvon Collins were other just two other phenomenal pieces. I think Rondell Moore is going to add a lot of speed to that team, and I'm very. Very excited to watch them this next season. Agree with you on your Patriots take, 100%. I think they are the most improved team in the offseason. I think they're going to be the team that did not make the playoffs that we're going to be talking about that are 12-5 and five now with the additional game, 11-6, and six, some, somewhere in that range. Yeah. I really think they can win the AFC East it's, this year. I, it's gonna be, I think that's going to be the—obviously, that's my favorite division to watch, as it is, but I'm so excited to get yes. to watch it. And the Arizona Cardinals also a very intriguing yes. team. Yes. Where my attention goes when it comes to after the draft is the NFC East. And aside from the Philadelphia Eagles, I think all three of those teams are going to be improved. Uh, We'll start with the Dallas Cowboys, and picking up Micah Parsons was huge. They drafted a corner out of Kentucky in the second round to fix that corner spot since they weren't able to address that in the first round, probably like they would have liked to. The Giants, they were able to bring in more weapons for Mm -hmm. Daniel Jones. I think the Giants should have paid more attention to addressing that offensive line because I was just because I was looking through it today. They did not draft a single offensive lineman this this week. But our guy Rodarius Williams is there and they had a hole in that nickel or second corner. Another team I'm focused on, and I'll get to my bias take in just a minute, because I think I think my Denver Broncos are vastly improved as well. I agree. But I I one of the teams that I thought made a big, big acquisition in the offseason is the Carolina Panthers. And they surprised us all because we didn't really think about this, but they have a hole at corner, and they addressed yes. that in, with the number eight pick, drafting J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. I think that will pay huge dividends. They drafted Jeremy Chin last uh, last season, I think in the fifth round, and he turned out to be an absolute stud there. Sam Darnold is is back there. I think they may need one or two more weapons, but the, but our guy Chuba Hubbard is there. Mm-hmm. I think Carolina can 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 contend maybe for a wild card spot in the NFC. So I agree with the Carolina take. I think 100% Chuba. I'm excited to see Chuba there, which we'll discuss a little bit in our next mm-hmm. our next segment. But also, they they drafted Terrace Marshall in the second round. Yes. That's that's going to give them that weapon. That's going to give Darnold his weapon. I think Terrace Marshall's going to be pretty good. I think, especially in Carolina, you have you 
McCaffrey's back. Mm-hmm. Darnold is a huge improvement. I, I'm I like Teddy two hands, and hopefully the Broncos don't have to resort to that. Hopefully they can maybe go get Rodgers. It could happen, but I think Sam Darnold is a a great. He's going to be a great replacement for that offense right now. I think J.C. Horn, like you said, is going to provide something on that defense you can rely on. I'm excited. The the Bucks, who I want to transition to, are not going to have fun playing that Carolina Panthers team whatsoever next year. No, but this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team also, and then I did, they didn't surprise me. I was I'm I was pretty sure they were going to get Trask, but I think Trask you did call it was I and I just thought it was almost too good to pass up, and I thought they could honestly reach for him. It, it would have been a reach. It would have been a far reach, but I honestly thought they could have. Reach for him in the first round at their last pick because they really don't need anything else. Right, they're they're pretty stacked, and yeah, some of their guys are aging, but they also have a lot of a lot of youngsters on that defense. And so, I was I was not surprised by Trask, but I think that is one of the more underrated picks in this draft because his his accuracy and his his arm, which I we've talked about, that is now being mentored by Tom Brady. And also Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians. and all the yeah. football minds around him. I mean, he's going to get to watch one of the better defenses probably play next Let's year. Let's not forget about Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator. Exactly. Well. And he, he's going to be surrounded by all these great minds, and he's going to get to watch Brady, I would say maybe two, he's probably two more years for sure. And then who knows how many after that. So you're going to get to watch him, then you're going to get to learn from Bruce Arians, you're going to get to plug into that system. I think him and Mac Jones are going to be able to do similar things. Obviously, Trask has the better mentor. Cam Newton, you might learn more of what not to do when throwing a football than you might learn of what to do. But I still think Cam Newton is a, a solid veteran at this point and will be able to provide some insight on how to deal with adversity, how to deal with certain challenges. Because Newton was an MVP. He was a rookie of the year. He led his team to a Super Bowl. He went 15-1. and He carried that team to the Super Bowl. He just got beat by a better defense that day. Mm-hmm. But he is going to provide a a nice mentor for Mac that I think Mac will be able to learn a lot from Cam, and I'm that's why I'm interested to see these quarterbacks. And Justin Fields might honestly be one of them. I, I don't know. We don't know for sure if he's going to start from day one. A lot of these quarterbacks are going to be able to sit behind guys that are veterans. Yeah. That they these guys know that they're probably better than most of them. Obviously, Trask is not better than Brady, but he might have more talent than Brady did and he probably does out of coming out of college Trask definitely has higher talent so now he's going to learn how to utilize that I think these quarterbacks are all going to get to with an exception of maybe obviously the top two t- taken are going to play immediately right. yes but Trey Lance Trask Fields. Max Jones Justin Fields all those guys could not play immediately Justin Fields might play but the other guys probably won't and so these guys are going to get to learn from veterans who have been there, been in situations. I think these quarterbacks are going to benefit. Not only are they some of the better quarterbacks we've seen, but now they're in some of the better situations that we've seen. So real quickly, another team that I forgot to mention is the Cincinnati Bengals. And I thought the Bengals okay, yeah. were improved greatly. You know, they get Joe Burrow back. They they have Jamar Chase. They drafted a tackle in the second round. So I was, I was kind of disappointed that they didn't take Panay Sewell yeah. with that fifth pick. But getting Jamar Chase, and then you were able to get a quality tackle, I'm, I'm okay with. The defense got better. So I think Cincinnati is somebody we could really look at, along with Baltimore, and we'll t- we'll talk about Baltimore in just a second, with uh, in, as regards to talk to Tyler Wallace. But Baltimore got a lot better. Than I draft. I think everywhere I've seen, every draft analyst has given Baltimore an A. Really, with their with their draft, I think they did a phenomenal job. But I but the Denver Broncos before we transition, I think the Broncos made enough moves, especially in the draft, to be exciting going into this season. Obviously, we're not sure if we're going to see Drew Locke again. Drew Locke can has he makes horrible decisions with the football. Yeah. To the point where, if you remember when the Broncos won the Super Bowl, yeah, they just asked Peyton Manning toward the end of that season when he came back from the plantar fascia injury, just don't, don't turn the just ball don't over, don't mess it up, and that's what Teddy Bridgewater does. And to and he, and he also moves the ball down the field yeah. more than Peyton Manning did at that stage of his career. And they're rebuilding that secondary that yeah. basically won them the Super Bowl. You're getting Von Miller back. You got Bradley Chubb. You sign you you signed Callahan last year. Bring in Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby this year. Draft Patrick Sertan. Draft Caden Stearns in the fourth round. I like Texas. the Stearns. Pick. I liked that. Pick. He's talented. Not to mention in the sixth round when you draft Seth Williams, the the big long receiver out of Auburn, who somebody could go get you jump balls. 
I think the Denver Broncos are set for to make some noise in the AFC West. Now, do they win the AFC West? Obviously, it would be idiotic to pick them to win the AFC West because the Chiefs are in that division. But I think they can contend for a spot in the wild card. But for the sake of time, let's transition to our OSU guys. All right. That got drafted. And so who who do you think just who do you think landed in the best position? Obviously, I think Tevin Jenkins is in a great spot right now. I think the quarterback position in that offensive line was really the only two holes on that team. The offensive line was a little shaky. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really terrible. I don't think it was that bad. It's an offensive line doesn't look great when their quarterback is and you know what? I hate on we hate on Trubisky, but he his record as a starter last year was impressive. But you also you don't really they have Foles, they have Trubisky, they don't know who their quarterback is. Well, Trubisky's in Buffalo now. Well, I know, but I'm talking about last, oh, last year. Okay. So that's why it was a little shaky. But now you add Tevin Jenkins, and he's gonna and he's gonna be a guy that's gonna stabilize that line for you. I think Tevin Jenkins is gonna be in a good situation in Chicago, just because if Rodgers does truly leave the Packers, Chicago immediately, in my opinion, becomes favorites to win that division. Yes, and Minnesota could could kind of come out of nowhere. And I very well see them competing down to the last wire when it comes to the end of the season. But I think Chicago is your favorite if Aaron Rodgers leaves the Packers, unless Jordan Love is a stud and we just don't know it. But then I think Chuba is in a good position. I think the Panthers are in a better position with that because he's going to take down McCaffrey's usage rate. And he's, like we talked about, he's going to kind of take some load off of McCaffrey. He's, I think he's going to be a good pass catching back, too. He's going to provide them with that. Tylen Wallace, again, going to a position for the Ravens. Now, Ravens receivers with Lamar Jackson are going to have to do their job a little bit better than they would have to if they had a guy, because Lamar Jackson's not going to really throw them open. He's not, I'm not going to say he has a noodle arm, but he, his arm is is not the greatest. I think maybe Tylen Wallace goes to the worst position out of the two out of the three I've mentioned so far. I think he still has. I think he's going to be relied on heavily, which is going to create. It's going to be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But as far as being a Baltimore receiver, none of them have really thrived in that. So Hollywood Brown's okay, but I don't think it's going to be tough to see what Tylen does. So, I'll let you go. So me, so me, and you break when you talk about Hollywood Brown. I don't. I don't think Hollywood Brown is any is any more than just a deep burner that can go get you over the top, similar to what Ted Ginn Jr. was. Yeah. But because I don't think he's a good route runner, I don't really think he creates separation unless he's running go routes or something of that nature. I think Tylen Wallace is in an interesting position, and he's in an exciting position because he has a chance to provide that immediate impact similar to what Odell Beckham Jr. did when he took the league by storm. I think Tylen Wallace has the same qualities of a receiver as Odell Beckham Jr. Not the fastest guy, even though even though we we grew to see Odell was actually pretty fast, but it wasn't something we saw in his yeah. career. But they have an infinite catch rate radius between the both between the both of them, and both of them probably have the best hands in the draft. I think I can. I think Tylen Wallace has a top three set of hands in the draft. He just he doesn't get much separation, but he's great with contested catches. And when you're talking about Lamar Jackson, a guy that you're right does not throw guys very open very much, and he's, and he's fitting got fitting balls into tight windows. Guys who can catch while being draped over by a defensive back, is helpful. So I think Tylen Wallace is in a very good position to really showcase his feet and his hands. I One, one guy that you didn't mention was Rodarius Williams. And I think Rodarius Williams is worth mentioning because I thought the Giants had a hole at corner in, in my mock that we did a couple weeks ago. I had them taking Caleb Farley at that 11 spot, I believe is what it was. But they take Rodarius Williams, and now he's going to have to make the team. Mm-hmm. He was he was drafted in the sixth round. He'd not not guaranteed a spot. They have Isaac Yadam, who I believe is an absolute bust. I can't stand him. But if he could become a physical lockdown corner outside of on the opposite side of James Bradbury, who was phenomenal in his first season with the Giants last season, he could become a story like Richard Sherman. Yeah. Like an underrated corner coming out, but is very physical, has has good instincts and yeah. can and I think he can tackle better. So I think Rodarius Williams and Tylen Wallace are the ones I'll be paying much attention to. Obviously, Chuba Hubbard was our star, so we're yeah. Gonna, so, I mean, so we're going to keep we're going to keep tabs on him. But I think those two in particular. I think Tylen is a phenomenal uh, 
he's got great hands when he's he's a very physical receiver and he's got great hands even like you said even when he's being draped on by a, a corner there were so many instances this year where Spencer would throw it and Tyler would go make a play on it draw the flag do whatever he had to do to keep that ball out of the corner's hands mm-hmm. and I think he's going to provide a very solid piece for that Ravens offense because Lamar Jackson and Spencer Sanders the arm there is probably similar Lamar's probably got a better arm obviously but the as far as playing with guys with not the greatest arms they're kind of similar and Tylen succeeded with Spencer so chances are he might succeed with Lamar Jackson as well but it still is I think it's gonna be hard to do like you said Hollywood Brown's not very good mm-hmm. he's he provides you with the deep threat that's it that's why I was saying he's really okay but I am interested to see how Rodarius Williams does in New York because I will obviously I want all of our guys to go take the league by storm that'd be awesome mm-hmm. but it would be cool to see him come out of nowhere and take the spotlight and that'd be really cool to see an OSU corner do have a story like that that would be very interesting so mm-hmm. and as far as that I think that kind of just sums up the the OSU draft right there it's like those four guys it's like none of them except for Tevin are really expected to do have a great impact on the league they might but mm-hmm. Chuba is probably at best gonna be a backup to Christian McCaffrey for a couple years if he takes the league by storm though he could become a starter somewhere else you know I don't think they're gonna run a two backfield like if Chuba becomes premier back I don't think him and Christian McCaffrey can share that backfield absolutely not and so I I hope he creates a career for himself and then goes somewhere else and then has like the prime of his career so he's kind of almost like an opener yeah like a concert and then once he gets big enough then he can go out and exactly I think that's a great analogy I, I believe Chuba Hubbard has that sort of potential as well and we've seen running backs do this before um I believe Philip Lindsay was kind of on his way to doing that and then he just fell flat on his face last yeah. year with the Broncos what player because I have one particularly in mind which player to you was the steal of the draft OSU or just any player or any player I think, uh, and I'm going to mess up this last name probably, but Jeremiah Arusakormora, I think was the steal. I, I honestly had Cleveland getting him in the first round, let alone they got somebody that they wanted in the first round, and they were able to swing back and get the, this beast of an athlete in the second round. I think it was a steal of the draft. That's my take. I think him and Barmore were steals. I think those... A lot of defensive players, which kind of slid down. Ronnie Perkins is another one. But Jeremiah Arusa Kamora. 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 I, I, it's tough to say without reading it. But he he is a animal. He's quick. He's a little bit he's a little bit skinnier, too, so he's going to provide good coverage. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see what he does in Cleveland. That's what he has over Micah Parsons, is that yeah. he's better in coverage. I believe, and Arusa Kamora was my guy as well, so... Great minds, great minds do. Great minds think alike. That's probably like the third or fourth time on this show in like the last month that we've I done think that. we're getting on the same page. This is kind of scaring me a little bit because football season's going to come back around as and we long, are going to go on the as, different sides of the ball again. As, as long as we don't agree on anything Patriots related, I think the world is still spinning. In the I think so. As long as at the end of the day, you give me a tough time about Brady, then everything will be okay. Everything's good. Okay. But the one steal for the draft that I had was Trayvon Merrick. And that, yes. that was a guy that I had going in the top 15. I know a lot of mocks had him going within the top 20. He slid all the way back to the middle of the second round, where I believe Vegas took him, if I remember correctly. I believe they did. I had Vegas taking him, and that's another guy I had him taking in the first round by either Minnesota or Vegas. Yeah, I, I had him taking I, – I thought he would have been a great fit with Minnesota. I thought he would have been a great fit with the Chargers at, I believe that was 14 or 13. Right. But he slid all the way back to the Raiders, and the Raiders were able to get a guy that they liked in the first round. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was the right guy, but if they like him and they had Alex Leatherwood, the top tackle on their board, by all means, more power to you. But the fact that they were able to get Trevon Merrick – Probably the best safety in the draft, one of the better DBs. Obviously, he won the Doak Walker Award as the nation's best defensive back last year. The fact that they were able to get him the second round, I think that that fills an enormous need because one of the Raiders' problems over the last few years is that they can't stop the pass. Right. They. I think Morg is a great—and I think I think it's Merrig. It is Merrig. And Merrig, 
I've I've heard that's both. what I've been saying. I know, but I I'm just correcting myself. I. <laughs> I've heard both pronunciations. That's so. the hard part about our job is that there's some funny names. That we We're right, and I've and a lot of people say them wrong, and some people say them right, and so it's it's tough when you hear someone say it one way. You, uh, that's the first way I heard it was Merrick, but Merrick, Trevon Merrick, like he's another defensive player that just kind of slid. Yeah, and he and he didn't really have. There was really no reason for him to. I mean, he was small. Some people might have not liked him because he was a, he was smaller. But the Raiders kind of surprised they passed on him the first time, but. Not surprised they took him when they got him because he is a steal. I think he's one of the more talented. I think he obviously he's a top rated safety, but just overall, I think he's one of the more talented safeties in this draft. Watching us have to deal with him in that TCU game yes. was not fun. That was not fun at all. And going back to your Jeremiah Usu Koromoa take, I think he makes the Browns probably one of the more improved teams as well. Yeah. That's somebody we we missed because the Browns they brought back a lot of guys, and then they brought in, obviously, Jadavion Clowney. We'll see what happens. Malik Jackson, a former Bronco, who, right. was, who was key in their Super Bowl win. John Johnson the third is a very good safety. Troy Hill, they brought them both over from the Rams. And then Coromoa, Greg Newsom. Newsom, it was a, it was in, a good in, pick. In the first round. So we'll see. Richard LeCount in the fifth round, the safety out of Georgia, somebody okay. who I've become a little bit more familiar with. That's a name to keep a, keep an eye on All as right. well. As they try to replace Anthony Sandejo. But let but that's that's it for the NFL draft, and I think that kind of puts a bow on the NFL offseason. We'll see how things play out with the virus and voluntary voluntary workouts as we continue to lead up to training camp. And by then we will be back here. But that'll that's the last we'll talk about the in the NFL. Let's shift to the NBA. And LeBron James has thrown his hat or his two cents into the, the debate on whether or not we should have a play-in tournament. So if you're unfamiliar with the format of the play-in tournament and the playoffs this season, the NBA season was a 72-game regular season where the top six seeds are guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. Seeds 7 through 10 will play in a play-in tournament for those final two seeds for the traditional eight-team playoff. Now, players like Luka Doncic have already come out and set, and voiced their frustration and their disapproval of the play-in tournament. And last, and last night... After losing to the Toronto Raptors and injuring his ankle again, LeBron James has thrown his dissent into the in, into the the fray, saying that whoever came up with the idea should quote be fired. So, Landon, we haven't gotten to discuss this on this particular show, but what is your take on the play-in tournament? Well, selfishly, I'm kind of in favor of it because it's more basketball. more basketball for us to watch. But I'm why are LeBron and Luca so against it? Probably because they're right there in having to possibly play in it. I know, but LeBron is LeBron ever missed the playoffs in his career besides his first year with LA? If it, if he has, it's been a long time. And it it, it may have been his his rookie year. It, yeah, it, and it, if it happened, it was one time. Yeah. So why is he worried about it? He's never had to. He's never missed the playoffs. It, it, there's no way that the a past playing tournament would have benefited him. So he's bitter about the new playing tournament, but. It might help him this year, and it that year with the Lakers, it definitely would have helped them because they were ranked fourth. Correct. And then when he went out, they were like the game he got injured. He was they were fourth in the West. They were. And then they slid all the way back. I think back to ten. I think they did. I think they but they slid all the way out. Yeah. But then that would benefit them, would it not? That year they get to, they get a play in. LeBron comes back and they get a chance to with a healthy team, teams that battle injuries and are on the on the verge of making the playoffs, this, this totally benefits those teams. Now they can get their healthy players back. And I know it's a change, and the M- NBA really has never done this before, and so it's gonna, it is going to probably ruffle some feathers of people who have been on the brink before and haven't gotten in and are probably like, well, I wish this was a thing when I was playing. Right. But, like, it wasn't, and it is now, and I kind of like it. It's kind of a kind of like the March Madness uh, play the basically play in tournament yes. that they have. Think about UCLA, UCLA, how far they went. Just because a team doesn't qualify or make the playoffs, however you want to put it, for the NCAA it's qualified. But mm-hmm. here, if the record isn't good enough to make the playoffs, think about the Suns last year in the bubble. The play in tournament was a time where they got to almost, or no, yeah, they got to almost. Yes, they were. That I'm not. Right. I'm not no, mistaken. They were right there. They were okay, right yeah. There. Yes. So this play in tournament. Would it's great for teams like that? They get hot. The playoffs is all about who gets hot at the right time. Yes, and so teams that get hot that are right on the edge, I still think it makes things interesting. It creates a interesting upset 
like what if the Suns were that team that year that qualified they were hot and they upset maybe the the one seed or whoever I'll give you a more recent example and this year I think that team is the Washington Wizards really because they they start they off, are peaking right they now they start off super slow I think they've won 11 of their last 12 and they're they're now must see TV with what with Russell Westbrook and yes. Bradley Beal who I think should be an MVP candidate as well Russell Wilson also Russell Wilson Russell Westbrook just set the record for most triple doubles in a calendar month as well, he is a a stat machine. He's a beast. I, I love and Russell I think, Westbrook. I think he contributes to winning basketball as well. I agree because he never cheats the game. But in agree. terms of the play in tournament, here's why I am so in favor of it. Because in normal years, you have an 82 game season. Yeah. This year, you've shaved off 10. Right. So those are 10 games where a team in that seven seed could fall out, and a team in the at that 10 seed or that nine seed could jump in. So I think it makes it somewhat fair to mitigate the loss of competition due to shaving off 10 games. Right. And and I also think it puts more of an emphasis on the regular season because a yeah. lot of what we've been saying about the NBA over probably like the last four years or so is that the regular season doesn't matter to a lot of teams. You've seen the load management crisis that's yeah. going on and continues to go on, especially with the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard, who is easily becoming the most annoying NBA <laughs> player ever yeah. because he never plays. But... Now teams are forced to take the regular season seriously right. from opening night all the way until the end of it. So I think it's better for basketball that we have this shortened regular season and you have the play-in tournament because also you're reducing the wear and tear on the players either, which has come to bite the NBA this season with all of the stars being injured. So I think the play-in tournament is a good thing. I don't agree with Dodgett and James I, and Mark yeah. Cuban. I mean, I don't agree. With, I don't. I definitely don't agree with the, with LeBron James saying that somebody should be fired. I mean, I think why should you be fired for creativity? Right. But I think it'll. I think it will be a benefit to the NBA in I terms agree. of ratings because we're all going to tune into that play-in tournament, mm-hmm. see Chicago and see Washington duke it out with maybe Boston and Charlotte. I mean, those are four good teams. Do you think Chicago will make it? They're sitting at the twelfth right now. They're three are they games twelfth. Yeah, they. I think they've. They've dropped. They're, okay. they're four and six in yeah, the last they, ten. Yeah, they were ninth the last time I looked. Who is in that ninth seed, by Pacers. the way? Pacers. The Pacers. Pacers are five and five in yeah. the last ten. But the, the Washington Wizards are eight and two in their last ten. Yes. They're, that, that is, except with an exception of the New York Knicks, which is another discussion I want to bring up after this. Go for it. The Wizards have, like, the best record out of their last ten. They're they're peaking right now. Russell they Westbrook are. is catching his stride. And to be honest, earlier in the season, he was still averaging, like, at, at worst, it was like 18, 10, and 10. Right, that team just hadn't come together right. very much, and now he's all the way up to like twenty, eleven, and ten, or whatever. Yeah, maybe even higher. He is he is playing some phenomenal basketball very right now. Very good basketball. And Bradley Beal has been constant all season. As long as those two stay healthy, that team is going to be dangerous. Come, oh yeah, play in tournament. Then the New York Knicks, who as it sits right now are the fourth They're seed. Fourth seed, yeah. Which means they would play the as it sits right now the Atlanta Hawks in the first round I believe and so I think that's a win for them and then who knows I think the team that they pose the biggest threat against is the Milwaukee Bucks the Knicks the Milwaukee Bucks yeah the Knicks pose the biggest threat Uh I think Julius Randle's gonna give Giannis a hard time come playoff time that would be a fun matchup and I think both sides of the ball he's gonna He's going to create a a little bit of an obstacle for Giannis, and I don't trust Giannis. I don't. So we will see. Had a heck of a game yesterday. He did. Him and Durant did go back and forth, and he he honestly for for playing against Durant, he played pretty good defense. He held him, and he didn't guard him the whole time. Obviously, I believe PJ Tucker picked him up for most of the game, but even then, that's another great defender. And so that just shows you the type of score Durant is. But the fact that Giannis hung with them and actually outscored him is very impressive. That's why I think the East is going to be more fun to watch come playoff time because I think, and I I don't want to say that because it, it really takes away from the great Western Conference that is going on right now. Right. But I'm very, I'm very excited to watch the Wizards in the playoffs because you see Bradley Beal so desperately want to be on that good team and now he's finally got a shot. I'm very intrigued. But the West... You have the Phoenix Suns, who I believe are going to take that number one spot. And as of right now, they're sitting at it. Utah, I think they've peaked. I think Utah's peaked, and they also need to get healthy. Because I don't know if they—have they gotten Donovan Mitchell back yet? I don't think so. 
I know Gobert's back, right? But I don't think Mitchell's back. Yes, but they aren't healthy, so and they, even if they, they are, have problems. And then you have the Clippers, who I'll be. It'll be fun to watch the Clippers, but I think also the Clippers aren't really a threat. But the Denver Nuggets are going to be interesting because they are nine and one in their last ten, and they, despite losing what I thought was going to be a very crucial injury, and it very it would it would hurt them bad. I thought it was going to really hinder them. But I, and that's why I think the MVP's got to go to Jokic now because he's put that team on his back for the last couple games. The Nuggets are going to be one of the more interesting teams to watch because they are also peaking right now. Two things about the Nuggets. Yes, you're right. Nikola Jokic is the MVP. I think that debate is over. Yeah. But I think Jamal Murray, one way or another, is so critical to that team that you would need him to defeat a team in a best four out of seven. I think the higher, the highest Denver can go will benefit them the most in terms of getting out of that first round. Because I believe if they have to play somebody like a Dallas, like a Portland in the first round. Now, I think the Nuggets could beat Dallas. Like a Lakers? Possibly a Lakers with how the Lakers have been sliding. I think they would need Donovan Mitchell. I mean, not Donovan Mitchell, J- uh, Jamal Murray. They would need him to beat them four out of seven times. I get that, they, that they're on this incredible run that they are right now ever since the Murray injury and ever since the Aaron Gordon trade because I, I think they're 11 oh, yeah. I think they're 11 and 2 since they acquired Aaron Gordon from Orlando which is phenomenal work by by the uh by the front office because I think they gave up a, I thought they gave up a little bit too much turns out it hasn't really been a problem but I don't know if you can beat a team beat a team like the Lakers like Portland maybe not like Dallas I still think Dallas is not as good as Portland or the Lakers I think that's an opinion we both share but I think Dallas is better than Portland. I think they. I think Dallas can take Portland. I don't think it'll come to that just because of where they're seated. I, I, I'm interested to see how good LeBron is too, or how I don't mean good, but I mean how healthy he's going to be. The Lakers. Do you think he'll be healthy? I think the Lakers are the Jack are the Jack Jack in the box of this whole thing because what what are the Lakers? I mean, and now we have the news that Dennis Schroeder is going to be out ten to fourteen games. I don't think Anthony Davis can even in, right without LeBron that. Without LeBron and then Schroeder, even that team is no better than the, the old, old uh, New Orleans Pelicans teams that right. we've seen. And that's basically what they look like right now right. because it's just Anthony Davis and a bunch of other guys. Kyle Kuzma has been disappointing, and you don't have Rondo to give you those surprise buckets. Montrezl Harrell's been Montrezl Harrell's been Montrezl Harrell. I think he's been okay. Andre Drummond has been disappointing. Yes, he has. So what are the Lakers? And I agree. Even, even when LeBron comes back. Are we sure that the Lakers can take uh, a Clippers team? Because if I'm the Lakers, and as and as a Lakers fan, the Clippers are the team I'm most worried about. It's not particularly Utah or Phoenix. It's the Clippers that I'm worried about because the Lakers also have not been able to play defense very well. The Lakers are struggling on defense, which is the one thing I thought they were going to be better at. Right. The Clippers are interesting, though, because... Paul George is starting to play some pretty good basketball. Mm-hmm. But if history tells us anything, it's that he doesn't play the best basketball in the playoffs. Ever since he left Indiana. Exactly. But that also being said, I think he's due for a good playoff run. I think he is too. And I that's why I'm nervous. Due. And that's why I, I get what you're saying about the Clippers. Because... Kawhi Leonard is going to give you solid outings every night. Yes. I don't think he can have a bad outing. He, he did actually, actually last year when he could. And LeBron had a similar outing where it seemed like the Stars and the, the back-to-back nights, they were score, I believe they scored two to five points. I believe that was that playoff mm-hmm. game where they were criticizing. Skip Shannon criticized LeBron, as he always does. And then Chan, uh, Shannon Sharp was like, well, if you're, if you're going to criticize my guy, like... I'm yeah. going to criticize Kawhi Leonard you, for doing the same thing. Did you see Shannon Sharp cuss on live TV? Did he a couple of weeks ago? I didn't see that. It was it was Trent. I like, like that show. Skip Bayless is an interesting, very interesting analyst, and Shannon, Shannon is Sharp hilarious. Is funny, <laughs> he's hilarious. But that being said, I think Kawhi Leonard's going to give him a solid outing every night, depending on which side of the ball it's on. I think he's solid on both. If playoff P is going to show up. That team could find themselves in the Western Conference, and the question is, if they get a, are they going to get a favorable matchup in that in that conference final? Because 
I'm looking at it right now, and Dallas to me is an interesting team, and I say that as a Dallas fan, so it could it's it it could be a little bit of a biased take, but I think Dallas is looking about as good as you want them to right now, and Luca is one technical away from a suspension. Yep, but also that technical last night was bogus. I didn't. I watched it. the The one he got where he got ejected. I, the one where he chunked the ball? No, I don't. Well, I think it was the one where he's just walking the ref. Like he kept talking. He he did keep. He kind of kept pestering yeah. the ref, but he was he was genuinely asking a question. But I thought it was kind of ridiculous. Fair enough. Luca is Luca is a little. He's a little uh, he, he sensitive does, sometimes. He I'll a, say he sensitive. Gets a, he gets emotional in a very uncomfortable way. Yeah, too. I'll say sensitive. Some, but he he does like to create a little bit of a scene sometimes. So, but I'm interested to see Dallas. Porzingis leaves me a lot of questioning that I, I would I would love for Porzingis to be great. I was very excited when the Mavs got him. Mm-hmm. He just when he's when he's on, he's pretty good. Yeah. Outside of Luka, though, when it comes to the Mavericks, I just don't think there's consistency. Yeah, I agree. Tim Hardaway dropped 40 the other night, but who's, who's to say he won't just go out and drop three Drop three exactly. the next day? So I, I don't know with Dallas. There's just always something off about how about the Mavericks. And maybe it starts with Christoph Porzingis just not being able to be in the lineup right. consistent, consistently enough. And then Trey Burke is on and off. Josh Richardson... To me, he's been underwhelming. I agree. I think he's been underwhelming. But to get back to the Clippers, the Clippers, to me, are the deepest team in the NBA. That's kind of just how the Clippers have built themselves. They have. Ever since Doc Rivers got there and before he moved on to Philadelphia. But Terrence Mann has come on in in these last couple weeks and has been phenomenal. Marcus or Markeith Morris is has somehow figured out how to shoot the ball. They've got the best three-point shooter percentage-wise in the NBA in Luke Kennard. So they, they have shot-making Batum as well. They have shot-making all over the floor. They all play defense because that's what the Clippers emphasize. They emphasize defense. And they get guys that can defend that can also score the basketball that are bigger than everybody. Yeah. Too. Because Paul George is a 6'10 shooting guard. Yeah. So I think they pose matchup problems. I think that, honestly, and we'll get to the predictions in just a little bit, but I really think something high about the Clippers. Going back to the Eastern Conference, though, I thought a team, you mentioned the Atlanta Hawks, right. possibly facing the Knicks. And I think the Hawks are going to be a very captivating team okay. to watch, assuming Trey Young gets back healthy with that ankle injury. And I, I think he will. I think he will as well. And there's something about how fast and how quick they play. They, they remind me of this OSU basketball team, except yeah. they, they can make shots. Yeah. And they've got Trey Young, Cam Reddish, obviously. Free throws is, a little is, bit, too. A nice player. They can make free throws. Dear Lord. <laughs> but Hunter's coming back, I believe. He'll be back healthy. They have Bogdanovich. John Collins is... He's gone from a guy that can just catch lobs and rebounds to a guy that can stretch the floor as well. They're going to pose problems as well, and I think they can give the Knicks, if if that is that 4-5 matchup, I believe they can give the Knicks a run, maybe at a 6-7 or seven game series. I would favor the Knicks just because of their physicality. I would too, but, I, uh, yeah. but, I, but I, I love what I'm seeing from Atlanta. Another team I look at in the Eastern Conference, and I think Atlanta is a very noteworthy team to, to pay attention to. because Please say this team I'm thinking of. Oh, now I feel pressured. But I'm looking at the Miami Heat, maybe. Were you looking for the Hornets? I was looking at the Hornets. <laughs> See, I I was thinking Miami Heat just because of their guys are starting to get back into their groove because all of them were injured early on. Right. I I think Jimmy Butler's going to be – he's always going to provide that entertainment first off. Yes. The playoffs are going to be so fun to watch when he's in them. I think he's still going to provide that, that solid, that leader, the guy that is always going to – Give it his all every game. I think it's going to push that Miami Heat team to levels like it did last year. I think it's going to create a... It's just going to build up everyone else. And it, everyone else is going to play better, I believe, around Jimmy Butler if they can take criticism. If they're not soft like the Sixers were, yeah. then they will benefit from playing with Jimmy Butler. I think they... Rise up right now, they play the Milwaukee Bucks. That is going to be interesting because the Heat... Always give the Bucks trouble, especially last Wasn't season. Was that an Eastern Conference? Yeah. Well, that uh, was the semifinal, semifinal matchup yeah. from last year. Yes. And they beat them. That's the thing. And I believe it was a 4-1. It was a gentleman's sweep. Yes. So, 
the Heat are going to give that Bucks team trouble. I believe the Bucks will stay at that third spot. The Nets seem like they're going to continue. The interesting thing is going to be who gets that one spot. Is it going to be the Nets or is it going to be the Sixers? Mm-hmm. I think that Heat team will give the Bucks trouble. Unfortunately, they are going to play the Milwaukee Bucks, and I think that Bucks team is due to make some sort of playoff run here or like sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure I trust Giannis completely, but they are building. They are constantly building. Giannis is still a great player, even if he hasn't shown much in the playoffs yet. He's still a great force, definitely. He's a paint presence. He's always going to provide something no matter what stage of his career he's in. I think that Bucks team could make a run, but if the Heat get them early, that Heat team is going to be a team that peaks at the right time, the I, I Heat, believe. The Heat are right there from peaking. as they, They're playing their best basketball ever. Jimmy Butler is back and healthy. And they just they just have the entire squad together. Now, obviously, I've been saying this about Tyler Hero a lot, that Tyler Hero has kind of fallen off. Well, is after, it, yeah, it was just at, too much hype. Too, there was way too much hype around Tyler Hero after the bubble. But the Hornets... You like the Hornets. There is something just magical about watching the Charlotte Hornets. Their uniforms are pretty magical. Well, that that too, and the and the court, and just their whole the whole aura of having Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, I was about to say. I was about owner. to say. But and then you bring in a guy like Lamelo Ball. Yeah, Miles Bridges. They've done a good job. That, there's a fan base now in there, Charlotte that a, just hasn't been there in a I while. Think there's a nationwide. Fan base. We we just all of a sudden we we want to see Charlotte on national. They're kind of like to me. They're kind of like the Carolina Panthers, which is I mean that's right where they are. Right. In they're not only are their uniforms like just a sight to see on their own, but they've got the young and entertaining players. Like yeah. they like Cam Newton was there for a while. They just their colors. The, I I don't know something about them. They remind me of the Carolina Panthers. And they play an exciting yet controlled yes. brand of basketball. They're extreme. They're a bunch of young kids, because that's what they are. They're, right. they're, they're extremely, extremely young that are well-coached. Yes. I cannot I cannot give it up, and I can't pronounce their coach's name, and I'm not going to try because <laughs> I don't have the name in front of me. But the job that he has done with those young kids, you have a, you have a 19-year-old LaBello Ball, Bridges, Miles Bridges is a stud. One of the more athletic people in the, in the league. He's 20 or 21 years old. Then you have the Martin Twins, and you've ingratiated with them with Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, and this team. I don't. I, I don't think they make a run this year. I don't. Yeah. I, I, I think they're a year or two away. But they are extremely well coached. You love them. Their announcer has become a national celebrity. He has. He has. There is something I cannot wait to see the Charlotte Hornets in three years. I'm. I'm intrigued, and I think Lamelo Ball is is just Lonzo 2.0. And I hate to say because so I do I really like Lonzo. I do too. But I don't, I, I don't think he's Lonzo 2.0. I think I think he's a much better do you think, player. That's what I'm saying. I, obviously, I think he's better than Lonzo Ball. But do you, I think you what you're saying is you think he has a different even just a different style completely. I think he does as well. Okay, I I can see that. But I'm as I'm saying, he's going to be a guy. And when I say 2.0 of Lonzo, what I'm saying is he's going to be a guy that no matter what, he's going to make the guys around him better because he passes. He he's got great court vision. He's got honestly some pretty high IQ, extremely high for for his his young age. You would think he would not at the years he's played. He's only he's his rookie year, yeah. and he's already he looks like he's he can hang with anyone when and it comes to let's basketball talk about, IQ. Let's talk about Lonzo uh, Lamella Ball for just one second because you brought up an interesting point about his IQ, and we said we said this about Luka Doncic, yeah, and I think. And there's a there's an interesting similarity that those two have is that they played professional basketball before they came to the NBA. Right. So and there's a value there in I playing agree. with professionals. And when they come over here, they're ready. Yeah. Like the transition is super smooth. So I want I just wonder if more players we saw RJ Hampton do it as well. I wonder if more players will start to do that. I think it's an interesting it's a very interesting thought because I remember hearing a lot of people around that draft with Luka and then DeAndre Ayton, they believed that Luka was going to be the rookie of the year for sure because he was going to just be able to transition easier than any player who came from college. Right Now they believed DeAndre Ayton would eventually become the better player out of the two. That didn't age as well. However, DeAndre Ayton is progressing and he is pretty much growing into this interior force that is mm-hmm. a very vital piece of that Phoenix Suns offense. So he's also 
playing great. However, the fact that Luca came over in his rookie year was averaging what twenty. What was it? Twenty like seven and seven or twenty seven and six or something like just great numbers, great overall across the board. Mm -hmm. And he's very entertaining to watch. And then Lamelo is the same way. Like you said, I think that that is going to become a very sought after avenue because you're not having to deal with the college. Like not only you aren't really having to pay for the high. I guess most of these guys are getting scholarships as it is, but right. the whole time college, you have to deal with like the recruiting aspects. Not anymore as much because that bill was just passed in Congress to yes. let athletes profit off their name. Yes, which is going to be which, in, which, which is fantastic. Which is fantastic, but it will change the landscape of college athletics right. for sure. And so maybe now it's different, but as of the fact that NCAA was so strict on the recruit the recruit the recruiting guidelines, geez, yes, yes, yes. they were so strict on that, and then you see Lamelo kind of. And he wasn't the first one for sure, but you saw him being that popular name that said, I'm they he didn't play it was Leangelo and Lamello. They went and Leangelo didn't benefit from it as Leangelo's the one ball that didn't get the high IQ. Maybe that's it. I think he was the best obviously he was the best scorer out of all of them. Basketball wise or socially. Maybe. Maybe that's true. <laughs> Maybe that's true. <laughs> that might be true. I'm not gonna I'm gonna try to hold in. That's pretty funny. But I think that where was I was oh the being the fact that he was a very popular name that went overseas and so everyone saw him do it and saw him progress overseas saw him mature overseas and watched him in his play I now think people are going to say look there's a lot of a lot of responsibilities a lot of restrictions that come into playing mm-hmm. college basketball and Will it benefit me as much as doing this route? Which, while it is, there's complications to that too. There's complications to playing that sport at any level, any sport at that level, is what I mean. But he now kind of paved the way for guys. RJ Hampton, like you said, is a, is a prime example. I think these guys are, you're going to see a lot of, of players choose to play overseas because a lot of talent comes from overseas. Yeah, yeah they do. So, real, so. Since we've talked about and kind of just previewed how the playoff landscape is probably going to shake out, since we won't be here to talk about it, who what who who comes out of the West? Who comes out of the East? Let's just go ahead and say it that way. I what, think what's your finals matchup. Okay, I think you're gonna the teams. I think obviously Brooklyn is the team right now in the East. I, I'm I'm struggling to see a scenario where Kevin Durant does not. Not carry because that team is loaded right now, but he he's going to lead that team through that playoffs, and then you will see James Harden. It, I don't know what his status is right now. I don't know how healthy he's going to become playoff time. But KD and Kyrie Irving was really always the plan. Everyone knew that that Brooklyn that was their plan, and that was those were the two superstars. So I think those two are going to play fine, and I know. Milwaukee's going they gave them trouble last night but in a four game series I mean a best of seven series I take uh, Brooklyn to beat Milwaukee and I think Brooklyn's the team that comes out of the east okay now the Western Conference is where it gets real interesting because Phoenix is playing great basketball they have all season Denver's playing great basketball LA we discussed their depth we discussed playoff P possibly playing at the level that we want him to that he used to play with at in Indiana I would I would have to say the Phoenix Suns come out of that playoffs here that I, I I am high on the Suns and I have been for a while I, I struggle to see the Clippers beating them I, I as much as in and obviously playoff is time where superstars come out and a player is going to make the difference I think it could be Devin Booker for the Suns, and with Chris Paul, with him, I only see those two playing at a level of basketball in the playoffs, which we haven't quite seen a, a Phoenix Suns duo really ever do. You can you can bring back the arrow with Steve Nash, but I don't think we've seen a Suns duo take the storm or take the league by storm in the playoffs like we're about to see. I think it's the Suns, and I think it's going to be a fun finals matchup between the Nets and the Suns, and it's not something that we really are really expecting to see but it's gonna be interesting I think 
the Nets are going to win the finals. Okay. If Kevin Durant stays healthy, the Nets will win the finals. Okay. So Kevin Durant is the key for the Nets. I believe so. So and so also that would be the first time Chris Paul ever got out of a conference final. Yes. His ham. If his hamstring doesn't go out on him like it always does. Yes. It's always that hamstring. It is. So here's here's how I think it's going to shake out. Number one, I do believe Brooklyn will represent the East. I've tried to avoid getting to that point as much as possible. It, it's tough because I just don't like the fact. That okay, I'm fine. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant joined up. That's cool. Two superstars, fantastic. Yeah. But the, the but just the way that James Harden got over there, just some something it was, it something was, about it rubbed me the wrong way. I, that's and exactly I'm still how I not the biggest, it. I'm still not the biggest fan of James Harden anyway. So I've just tried to avoid getting to the point where yes, Brooklyn is going to go to the final. Like I've tried to hold on to Philadelphia going to the final. And they could. I I would like to see Philly in the final. That's my Eastern Conference Finals matchup. Okay. And I think Brooklyn will probably win that, probably in six games. I can see that. Given that Ben Simmons is healthy enough when the playoffs roll around, I think it'll be Philadelphia and Brooklyn. And on the other side is where, obviously, you're right, it gets interesting. I think the Western Conference matchup, the Clippers, are going to take on the Suns. And I think the Clippers are going to win. I think that's a a very possible uh, Finals matchup in that conference. I think the Clippers have a size advantage over them. I think they can counter DeAndre Aiden. Obviously, Avika Zubac is not as good as DeAndre Aiden, right. but I think it's a, it's, a, it's a physical matchup there that is similar. I, I, don't, I don't find a way the Suns stop both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And I think, the, and I think just the depth of Philadelphia, of Philadelphia, of the Clippers, will be too much. I, I, think, they're, I think they get there over the Lakers because I think the Lakers have so many problems. Health, yeah, health, I agree. health being one of them, but now Schroeder's down for for the foreseeable future. So I, I just something about the Lakers, just like no, not this year. So I think it's the Clippers. I think I think it's going to be the Clippers and the Nets, and I think the Clippers are going to be are going to beat the Nets, and I think the, I think they will win their first franchise title. Really? Yes, that'd be interesting. Uh, for sure, I think the Clippers. I, I, I struggle to see. How the Lakers can make a run? I do too. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like that's going to ever come to fruition for them. At least unfortunately, not this year. yeah, not this year. And I think they've got plenty of time left. LeBron's not going to go anywhere. He's still going to play at best twenty and ten basketball, or at worst, I mean twenty and ten basketball next season. Yeah. So he'll be fine. I think the Clippers could make that run. It's going to be a battle between the Suns. I can see that game going to six or seven. For I don't think there's anything less to be expected. I think it's going to be a great series. Philadelphia better hope that they don't run into Boston. They better hope the Nets don't pass them because Boston always gives them a lot of trouble. I have so many issues with the Celtics, though. And, and no, they are not the same Celtics, the Celtics team that they have, have not, that they should be. They just have not been consistent this season. This that, season. And that's why they're the seventh seed right now, right. and that's because they they were up. They were up high. I believe they were. At the beginning of the season, they were sitting around the third seed for let's a while. All, let's also monitor the status of Jalen Brown as we keep going, right. as we go forward as well. I'm interested to see how Jalen does, and I'm a big fan of Jalen Brown. I think he's a great pure scorer for that team. Well, he injured his ankle. I know, last, okay. and that's why I I think he's a detrimental. Like that 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 injury is going to be detrimental to them come yeah. playoff time. But if he is healthy, and that Celtics team goes up against the Sixers team, it's not the same Celtics team that it always has been that we are accustomed to seeing for a while but they that Celtics team swept the Sixers last year swept and they could do it again I don't don't think they will but that Celtics team just for some reason matches up very well with the Sixers they they historically have but I think they've gotten worse and I think the Sixers have gotten better you think so? and that's true that no it, it's a different dynamic than it, it typically is so that's why the playoffs I think this year are going to be Mm-hmm. And not to mention the fans are going to be back a little bit, yeah. Which will it won't be the same. It won't be that great I don't, sea of whatever I don't think, color your team is. I don't think there's going to be enough fans to really make that much of a home court. Impact. You don't think so? I don't think there'll be enough because Denver, the home court thing for Denver has always been so huge. And well, right now, Utah Denver, as well. Denver gets a gets a boost just with the environment and that altitude. Denver, Denver in every sport at home. Yeah, the Mile High Stadium is one of the toughest stadiums to play at in a playoff game. The the really, the, I would say the top five seeds in every conference, with an exception of maybe the Mavericks, what I'm looking at right now, they all have pretty pretty solid home records, and I think that that's going to play a factor in this playoffs that we didn't see in the bubble last year because there wasn't that home court advantage for anyone. Right. Now, obviously, the Orlando Magic, you could argue, had 
home court advantage. I'm just kidding. But it's the Magic, and they uh, they weren't going to do anything. Really? They technically had home court. They were in Orlando. They were they were the Orlando Magic. I guess. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but they for sure definitely is the home court advantage will play a factor for teams like Denver. That one didn't you didn't like that one I too much, did, did you? Like that one. Well. <laughs> Technically, they were in Orlando, but technically, but they were also sequestered from the rest of the world. Right, that's true. They were in like some sort of gated community. That's basically what it was. It was just a gated community. I still struggle to figure out how they kept the coronavirus out of that bubble. It's like it was. It was just almost like this. This imagination. It was almost like their little Portland. If you remember what happened in Portland last year, except good. Basically, they were all just living in this bubble where COVID didn't exist. Where everywhere else, it just did. And if you left that bubble, you were all of a sudden you you were exposed. It was to almost almost like The Walking Dead when you like leave, leave yeah leave that little environment. Like they fear, oh my goodness, you might have brought in it was, the thing that turns all zombies crazy. It was one guy would leave for a little bit, and then he would be suspended for a little bit because he like had to be quarantined. Like yeah. yeah, but I think the home court advantage is going to play a factor here. Regard, it might not be as large of scales it typically does, but teams like. I would say the Celtics even are going to benefit from this home court advantage that they might get. Yeah, so that's why I think the Celtics could make a little run here. I don't, I don't believe they will. But if any, if any team out of the, I believe the play-in bracket beside them, them and the Washington Wizards on the East are the two that could make a run in this playoffs that are in that play-in tournament. And then I go to the West for the play-in tournament. The Warriors definitely could make a run if Steph Curry gets hot. Yeah, and then also whichever team gets that seven spot between Portland and the Lakers. That team will probably also come out of that play-in bracket and make a run. Those are the two teams I see that could possibly threaten the rest of the seeds. But besides that, I I hope we get to see Golden State in the play-in. I, I would too. I don't know. If, I don't know if we will. I don't know if it's the greatest thing for the play-in tournament anyway. But I, I hope to see them. Sacramento is also a, a team that's on the fringe as well. But yeah. since I mentioned Sacramento, right quick before we run, before running out of time, who's the rookie of the year? I gotta give it to Lamelo Ball. Yeah, I think not only is he the most entertaining player, but he's also probably just the best player. Yeah, and I, and you combine those two things, I gotta give him Rookie of the Year. Anthony Edwards has been he's pretty, progressed, he's progressed, and he's been really good. Tyrese Halliburton has been pretty good. He's I pretty hope good. I hope he fixes that shot it in, in the in the coming years. But he just went down with an injury as well, so maybe that levels the playing field in terms of games played because yeah. Lamelo Ball missed a lot of time with that wrist injury. Any final notes before we sign off for the summer? You know. I hope that we come back next semester and I get to react to the finals, maybe. Yeah. And then get to react to a great Oklahoma State football season because I don't know if I can deal with the season we had this year again next year. That would mentally put me in a emotional state. We had the spring game last weekend that was a lot of fun to be at. The team looks really cool. Keep an eye on Christian Holmes because I heard that, that is from someone else. He's going to take over the number one corner spot for Rodarius Williams. And that guy looks like a linebacker. Really? Yeah. He looks like a linebacker, has great clothing speed. He has good instincts. The ball skills leave a little bit to be desired, but we'll see as the season progresses. But the defense seems to be returning most of its starters and it looks like it's going to be a top team a, d- a top defensive unit in the Big 12. Oh, I would love to see our defense play like it did last year. That that was I w- in most cases it's more fun to watch your defense. I agree. Or I'm, I'm sorry. Most people like to watch their offense exp- like thrive over right. their defense cuz offense is more entertaining, but last year I was more entertained to watch our defense. I was. Because too. typically a Big 12 defense isn't supposed to do what our defense was doing last year. And obviously it was Big 12 competition, so sometimes you're playing teams like Kansas State, who always give people trouble, but they're not a great football team by any means. And then other times you're playing Iowa States and OU and even Texas, so you got to play teams like that. So I'm hoping for a good football season next year. I think the NFL is going to deliver. I'm excited to discuss that next year. Absolutely. I'm so excited to discuss that next year. And hopefully... And unfortunately, a lot of groundbreaking news is going to come out this summer. Why we Aaron Rodgers will probably sign will, somewhere. It, it will be some, something to have to do with it. And that. we're just not going to be able to react to it. So I'm a little disappointed there, but it's yeah. been a great year. It has been a great year. It'll be interesting to see what kind of world we're living in when we get when we get back. To I, that is true. It might We might not have as many or if any COVID restrictions. Right. It's been, it's been an interesting year to have your first year in college, for sure. For sure. And yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, you didn't get the full experience. But I, I think it's been pretty nice. I think... <laughs> It's we expected 
this to be the case. You know, we expected the the COVID restrictions, and I still think we've gotten to do quite a bit. I think so too. So yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this spring season of yeah. Spin Sports Podcast. That was our finale. So big thanks to Chris Notch and Parker Terrell for all all the help with the equipment. Levi Peckinbaugh, our producer. And we got to shout out Tony Wetmore, our co-host yes. from the first semester. We love you. So for so now for Landon Bethay, my name is Grayson Singleton. Thanks for being with us this spring. God bless, keep cool, and we will see you sometime in the future. <laughs> <laughs>